So last time we began to unpack this idea of how we study the Bible. We talked about, we spent two, two times talking about why we study the Bible. We looked in God's word for the reasons of why we should study God's word personally for ourselves. We have to understand if we really want to see change and we really want to understand something, then we do need to study it out. And, and honestly, we need to seek some new approaches even in our lives. Now, some of you know this about me, and others of you, maybe this is news to you. Um, I have found a, a recent enjoyment in um, the craft of making fried chicken, okay? And it is an art form, okay? Um, and some of you have enabled me in that way, okay? Um, some of you have just come over and t- tasted it, and some of you now really want to come over and taste it. And uh, to you, I would say, let's go, okay? Um, I'm chasing the dream of delicious fried chicken. And as I do that, you know, what do you do? Well, I read recipes and I read people who talk about, you know, this is what you should do or try. And you study out these things in order to hopefully make it taste better, right, every time. Our approach to the Word of God is much the same. But it's much, it is food that is much more important than any physical plateful. We need to pursue practical methods of Bible study that we may better immerse ourselves in what God has to say. So because God's word is vital to my Christian walk, it is worth thinking practically about how to make it a part of my everyday life. And I told you last time, this, this whole look at how we study the Bible is just a very practical assessment of how do we take the word of God and implement the study of it into our everyday lives. And how do we continue to take a fresh approach to the Word of God every day? Because sometimes we study the Bible, we get real comfortable studying the Bible a certain way. And sometimes we almost get too comfortable doing it a certain way. And we kind of know, this is is how we do it, this is how we... You know, there's some parallels here with even how we do our worship services here in our church. I've talked about this in our philosophy of worship services session on this... Um, how we change things up from week to week for that. For, for, and one of the main reasons is we don't want to get into this rote mentality of we stand up here, we sit down here, we do this many times, we X this, we do that, we do this, we do then this happens. Because it just kind of becomes this, you know, you want it to be habitual that you were worshiping God, but you don't want it to become just a habit. Right? Does that make sense? The same with our Bible study. We want it to be habitual. We want it to be something that we engage in regularly, but we don't want it to just become something else we do. And so this is how we can do that. We can, we can dig in and, and study these things. So last, let me just review very quickly what we talked about last time. We talked about this idea of establishing a plan, that we need to make it personal. And I, and I said that the number one requirement of personal Bible study is that it has to be personal. You and I, we have to establish a method for studying the scriptures that works consistently for us. For you as an individual. And we had to, I talked about some preliminary questions that we need to ask. Things like, when will you make time to study God's word? And we, and we kind of spent some time talking about how we actually have to make time to do that. Because we live in a very busy world. Where will we go to meet with God? And, and we talked about how there is some value in, in having a place where we meet with God. And even if it's not the same place, there's some things that should be consistent, like it should be free from distractions and it should promote our concentration on God's word. 
And, and then we talked about what will you do during that time with God. There has to be a plan. You know, how long do we plan to read for or study for, roughly? I mean, do, do we plan to pray at the same time we do that? And, and we don't have to necessarily limit our time unless there's something else that someone is counting on us to do. But it's, it's always a good idea. I feel like it's often a good idea to at least set some kind of minimum time we want to spend with God. And then all of that leads us to this, how will we study the Bible? We practically set ourselves up for studying the scriptures. And once we know the when and the where and the what, now we make a plan to engage with that what. And we talked about how we study is important. I mean, it doesn't do us any good to, say, to answer all these questions and then not know how we're going to tackle it. And this has been the second part of the studying, uh, or, or, or our talk here, or our discussion here. Establishing a process. And so we just covered the first one last time, this idea of systematically studying the scriptures, of seeing the big picture of the scriptures. Um, and this, of all of them, of all of the, 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 the few that we'll talk about, this lends itself to the least in-depth. I mean, it doesn't mean it isn't valuable. Actually, I think, I think systematically studying the scriptures is something that Christians should do, at least, on a, at least somewhat you know, regular. It doesn't have to be all the time, but at some point in your Christian walk, you should undertake a systematic study of the scripture. And by that, we meant you know, reading through the entire Bible, Genesis to Revelation, or reading through the Bible chronologically, or taking on the Old Testament or the New Testament in a shorter amount of time. Because this approach helps you to tie things together more closely because you're reading them, um, you're reading the whole picture. Now, this means sometimes that you read more, but it adds value to that to, to, help, to, to help contextualize what you're learning or you're reading. And sometimes this helps us make connections that we have not seen before. And I, I would, again, especially highlight a chronological study of the Bible oftentimes helps you uh, see connections that you didn't see before. When you're reading about one of these kings in Second in Kings or Chronicles, and then, then you hop over and all of a sudden you're reading about a, a certain prophet. You know, did you know that the prophet Jonah actually belongs in Second Kings, right under one of these guys? in the northern kingdom of Israel. And you don't know that because where's Jonah in relation to 2 Kings if you just look at the way the Bible is laid out? I mean, it's all the way, they're, they're far apart. So if you're just reading cover to cover, you're not going to hit that at the same time. And so that was, that was systematic studying. Now, let's get to where we're going tonight. The second way that, that I would suggest is what I call an in-depth study or digging down deep into the scriptures. You know, perhaps you would like to study a certain thing a little more in depth. I suggest things like a specific book of the Bible, a Bible character, a key passage. An in-depth study is a great way to really break that down and learn more about it. And this, this process, okay, this of all of the three I'm going to talk to you about, this one is my favorite personally. This is what I prefer to do in my own Bible reading. Um, coincidentally, this is what I do on a regular basis as a pastor, by the way. Um, it, it, I study passages of Scripture in depth every week, um, studying out what the, what the Scripture says and what do those things mean and, and then putting together a message. You know, by the way, being a pastor sounds a lot less 
glamorous, so to speak, if you say, hey, by the way, I write about two or three research papers a week. You know, some of you are, you know, remember that writing those in, in school? Okay. Yeah, some of you are so excited about that. But it is, you know, it's all about what you study, right? And if you're studying the scripture, it's, it's actually really fun. So you can get off and running on something like this. I mean, we, again, we think something like, oh, an in-depth study, that sounds really hard to get started. Well, just a few basic things. You can get going on something like this. First, very simply, you've got to pick a spot. You know, there's, there's 66 books. You've got to look there, and you've got to pick something. A book of the Bible, I always suggest a book of the Bible is a good place to start on an in-depth study. Because everything within a specific book of the Bible is interconnected and related. So, say it's Old Testament narrative. You know, it's the story, it's, it's the book of 1 Samuel. Or you say, well, I'm going to do a character study on David. Everything in those passages is related to that, to that character. You know, that there are things that happen there. If you go to the New Testament, and specifically in the epistles, topics that are covered earlier often reoccur or are expounded on later in a book or a letter. You could pick, you know, one of the life, lives of God's servants. Like I, said, I mentioned a guy like David or Peter. Or perhaps you've heard a certain passage or you've come across it times, at times in your, in your studies and you've always wanted to know more about it, but you've just never had the time. This is the time. Maybe it's a passage that God has used over and over again in your life and you'd really like to unpack it a little more. But I, I would just tell you, always make it manageable for you. Okay, if you've never done an in-depth study of the scripture before, I do not suggest that your study be all the mysteries of Revelation. Okay? It's not going to go well, probably. You're probably going to get a little discouraged. Or tackling a book like Isaiah that has 60-something chapters in it. You know, I'm going to do an in-depth study of Isaiah. And three years later, you're still doing an in-depth study of Isaiah and you've stopped and started. You know, if you've never done it before, Philemon's a great place to start. Well, why would you say that? Because it has one chapter, right? And you can kind of test out how you want to do that and work and work through it. Pick something you can do, and, and I always say take your time. There's no need, when you're studying in depth, you don't need to rush a study. You can spend as much time there as, as you want. You can go as deep as you want to go on. You can read as many things as you want. You can write out the things. You can seek the Lord and, and, and those things. You know, most of the systematic studies that I talked about, most of them have some sort of schedule that you want to stay on. And, and that's helpful, but an in-depth study doesn't need to be so. I mean, you can spend as much time as you feel you need to understand what's really going on in a passage. This year, I personally have been studying the book of Hebrews since the beginning of the year, and sometimes I only take one verse a day. You know, I got a, I got a commentary I'm reading, and um, I'm using my Bible, you know, as I go through these things. And so you just, you take your time. So secondly, take your time, and I would always say there's a key word that you need to remember anytime you study the scriptures is context. Context, context, context. It's always important to know what is going on around your study. Think of things like what prompted the author to write these things. You know, what, what is it that was going on there? What, what led the character to the point and the decision that he is making in this instance? Scripture that is taken out of context can be very harmful to your application and can lead you to wrong conclusions. Uh, there's somebody on the internet that said this, and I think it's hysterical. You know, something like, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. 
right? How many times have you seen that verse plastered on a wall or a t-shirt, right? And if you were here for our study of Philippians, you know the context of that verse now. Uh, So then, you know, as you read, as you remember the context, ask questions of the text. This should be the normal practice as we read Scripture, but especially in an in-depth study. When we, when we approach the scriptures, we don't approach it and just say, well, we'll just read the words off the page. We should be asking, the question, asking questions of the text. Specifically, these are the questions I like to ask. Who? Who are the characters? Who are the ones saying these things? Who are the ones that are being written to? Who are these people? The Bible isn't full of, of made-up names and fake people. It's full of real people who live real lives, who serve a real God. So who are they? What, what, what are they like? What, and that's the second thing, what? What is being said? I mean, what's the topic that's being discussed here? What is going on in the church at that moment? What is going on in that character's life? Where is it? And not just the setting, okay? And, and that's the first thing, you know, to understand where, where physically is that that has bearing on those things. Um, when you look at the Gospels, you, know, you have four different Gospels, where they were being written to or where they were being sent has great impact on how they were written. You know, the Gospel of Matthew is the Gospel of the King. It was written to the Jews. The Gospel of Mark was written to the Romans. It's a totally different ballgame. You know, Mark doesn't waste any time on all these things about Jewish traditions because people just, frankly, the Romans, they don't care, right? And so it's an important contextual question to ask. Where? What was it setting? What's the history? When? When did this happen? What's the time period? How does that relate to other things? And that's, you know, that's where, again, something like knowing where the chronological, where things fall chronologically really helps. When you look at the book of Jonah to understand what time period did it take place in? What, where in Israel's history? What was the king like? When you open any of those minor prophets is that way. Or the early church, what was going on at the time? Why? Why? What's the reason for the passage? Why is something said the way it is said? Every word of God is purposeful. So why is that purposeful? Why is that being said? But don't stop there. These are, these are your general, what I call generally, general knowledge questions of, of helping us, and we've got to unpack that. But then you need to ask questions of application. This is my favorite one. I've said it before. We ask this question, so what? I don't mean, like, disrespectfully, like, so what, right? But what does that mean? What does it mean for the people who are involved, right? Because where's the first line of application, especially in a New Testament letter? It's to that church that was being written to, right? We have to understand that's the first line of application. But then what does it mean for me today? What does it mean for my life now? What might it mean for my life in the future, because it has ongoing ramifications. And so as you ask these things, the next thing I would recommend, I would highly recommend just, my, just personally, is that you find a way to record what you're learning. And again, you have to find a method that works for you. I told you earlier, I, I love to read commentaries as I, stu- as I spend time with God personally. It helps me to, to understand some of, the, some of the ideas behind the text. I read, any book I read, I read with a highlighter in my hand the whole time. I'm a highlighter. If you pick up any book in my library, 
that I've read, you would see just yellow highlighter all through these things. Because when I come back and I look at it later, I want to know what were the key, what are the key points? What are those things I want to remember? But I also want to make my own notes of what I see in the scriptures. Because it's not just enough to say, well, this is what somebody else said. We got to personalize that. We got to say, this is what it means for me today, right here. Not just, a, just, not just a person living in 2022, but me personally, in my life, in my circumstances. So I would always encourage you to write it or type it out in a way that what God teaches you. you know, maybe you, uh, you, you, put it on, you have a, an app on your phone where you type those things out. Maybe you write it in the margins of your Bible. Maybe you have a notebook or a journal. I put, those, I put all that together. I actually brought my own Bible, my, my Bible I use every morning uh, with me. This is a, this is, I love this thing. This is a journaling Bible. So it's got, it's got your text, and then it has your lines on the outside where you can write through. I, I'm going to do a lot of show and tell tonight, and then I'll leave this up here if anybody wants, if you want to see something before you go home tonight. Um, I'll be happy to, to sh- you're happy to, to just look through it. So that's, I personally find that very helpful. And it sits in the same place, because I have my place that I go and study God's word, and I know where it is, and I have my pens and and everything that I need to study the word of God. And then, at the same time, make wise use of of resources as you do an in-depth study. Realize that that you are not alone in studying the Bible. You have, first of all, of course, the Holy Spirit to open these things to help you understand. But there are many good authors who have written many helpful things And in the last section of this discussion tonight, we'll talk more about these and where to find them. So, what are the strengths of an in-depth study? Well, first is the unfolding of verses of Scripture for deeper understanding. The name in-depth lends itself to this, a deeper understanding of the Scriptures. Also, spending time looking for understanding and direct application. Instead of i got three chapters i got to read today because i got to make it through, and you know, maybe we got a little crammed in our schedule, and, and something came up that we didn't, have, we didn't know we were going to have to deal with. It's, hey, you know what? i I got, just, I got this amount of time today. I'm going to spend time really digging in and really understanding. Now, as I said last time, I'm going to give you weaknesses, but I, I always preface it with weaknesses of in-depth study only. Like if you, only ex- if you exclusively do in-depth and you don't, do other things. These are some things I think you could run into. One, it's easy to lose the context of Scripture as a whole. You know, remember, everything in the Bible points to Jesus Christ, and everything is, you know, it's, it's one message. And so if we're only, only doing in-depth, then sometimes we lose the context of the continuity and the wholeness of what the Bible is. Also, there's a great temptation to just focus on what I feel is attainable and get comfortable. Well, I don't think I'm ready to do this. I don't think I'm ready to do that. I don't think, I, and we don't push ourselves, right? Because we don't, and, we, and by therefore, therefore, then we don't expose ourselves to some of these things that we need in our lives. And so don't get comfortable, but continue to, to, to push ourselves to study God's word. And then thirdly, and this one is, has a lot of similarities to what we just talked about, but there, there are some nuances here that are different is a topical study of searching the scriptures. And this will take you, if you do something like this, it'll take you all over to see different passages that address an idea or a topic. It works a lot like an in-depth. There's some parallels, and like I said, there's just some 
little nuances. So first, what you want to do for that is you want to select a topic that you want to study. Maybe you open the fruit of the Spirit, and the first one you see is love. Thank you. Okay? A want of verses for the win. You see love. Well, I wonder what the Bible has to say about love. A lot, by the way. Okay? And so you go, and I'm going to study out love. Maybe uh, something else, you know, something like the fear of the Lord. I want to understand more of what that means. And so you begin to search the scriptures for these passages. Maybe there's a specific sin that God's really been working on your life about. You know, you're really struggling with, with your speech or you're really struggling with anger. And so you want to find out what does the Bible say about how to gain victory in these areas or, or things that, that we need to do with this. Maybe it's a current issue in our world. You look around and you see a sin that is so prevalent in our culture and you say, well, I wonder what God's word says about that. You, know, you study that out. It could even be something that we are called to do in a godly way. Like, I want to learn how to pray in a more godly way. So I'm going to study about what the Bible says about prayer. I want to learn how to parent in a godly way. What does the Bible say about parenting our children? Really, the possibilities here, I mean, they're wide open. Because... What has all the answers for the questions of life? The Word of God. So when we have a question about life, and we say, well, what does the Bible say about that? Let's go find out. Let's open the Word of God, and let's really dig into it and learn from it. So use the resources then, first of all, to locate the passages that you're going to study. This is not quite as simple as I'm going to study the book of 2 Peter. This is, I need to find out where is it in the scripture that, that it says these things. And so you, you, you consult something like a concordance or a Bible dictionary. And then I would always say, remember to look up related wordings or phrases. Sometimes there's some nuances between those or some ideas. And then, then you want to consult resources to help you understand each passage. You want to know what each passage is teaching or what each passage is illustrating about your topic. So in that, keep the context primary. Just because a word is there doesn't mean it's the same use of that word. Let me give you an example. I talked about love. What is the greatest form of love in the New Testament? It's the Greek word. Do you know the Greek word behind it? Agape, a self-sacrificial love. Do you realize there are other Greek words that are translated love? In our English, you would just see the word love. So you have to really dig in and keep the context primary of those things. Or to see how a word is used. It's important to try to learn and discern what's being said around a particular usage in a passage. And then, again, find a way to record what you learn. This, this actually has a really cool, I think there's a really cool opportunity for you here. This is a great opportunity to get a notebook, a journal, and keep all of this information in one place. You know? and, and so the first page of that study, it's you know, what the Bible says about, say you're struggling with anger. What the Bible says about anger. And you start Writing out the passages. You know, here's a passage. Maybe you want to write out the passage and then write all the things you learned about that passage. Really what you can end up with at the end of a study like this is like a reference book of what the Bible teaches about a certain thing. And if you do more and more and more of these, you begin to fill up notebook after notebook after notebook. 
And then one day, you're talking to somebody, they said, man, I'm, I'm really struggling with anger. You know what? So did I. And, and I studied the Word of God. Can I share with you some of the things I learned? And where do you do? You go back, and you open that notebook up. And you say, this is, this is what God taught me. Or you remember back, you're struggling with maybe a trial in your life. You remember, you know, I really studied out some things about trials at one point. And you go back, and you, you pull those things back out. And you look at them. And, and reminded of the way that God taught you those things. Because, let's be honest, we cannot remember everything we cram into our heads in a day. You know, there, there's so many things that we forget to do. And so, what are the strengths of a topical study? Well, um, first, it helps us see the full scope of the Bible's teaching on a subject. It helps you really understand what, what it is the Bible is saying. You know, it gives you a great reference then for your Christian walk. And then as was alluded to kind of in the first one, but really just wanted to state it here, is the thoroughness of a study like this. To really grasp those things. And to set you up later for reference purposes and to look back on. Now, if you just stay in a topical study, again, what are the weaknesses only of doing this? It's easy to lose context of passages because you know, we're out here and we're pulling these things out. and We want to get this, this here and this here. And, and if we don't take the time, we can misapply a passage of Scripture. And remember, we always apply the Scriptures and, and interpret the Scriptures literally. This is, it means what it says it means unless there's something there to indicate otherwise. It's easy to lose the, uh, um, those contexts and it's also easy to miss topics that we should see while we study an entire book. Again, this is, just if you want to know personally from a pastor's standpoint, this is why I, one of the huge reasons I preach expositorily is God knows what, what our church needs more than I do. So I just, you know, I seek the Lord's will on what, what book of the Bible should we study. And then we just, we study. Because there's great danger, and it doesn't mean that pastors every once in a while don't have to deal with some things or, or address some things that, that that are helpful for a church. But there, are, there is great danger in, in just, well, what does the preacher feel like we all need to hear about this week? That's not my job. <laughs> our job. My job is to give you the word of God. The same is true in our personal lives. It's great, and we may have some things that we really need to deal with, but there are some things that we would shy away from because it makes us uncomfortable to study that out. It makes us uncomfortable to address that topic when we would actually hit it if we would study in depth an entire book of the Bible. So therefore, it may actually lack depth when we study something like this because we don't drill down as deep as we might in other, in other studies. There's some principles that I would encourage you to keep in mind in these studies. There's three things here. There's systematic there's in-depth, there's topical, there's probably other ways that people would say, I, I, just, I, I think of these three ways a lot of times when I think about studying the scriptures. None of these is the only way to undertake the study of, a script, of the scriptures. If it, doesn't follow, you're like, well, if it doesn't follow one of these three categories, you're not really studying the Bible. No, okay. And there's not one that's better than the other every time. I think there's a, there's a wonderful uh, merit in approaching this in some variety. You know, it's good to get the wider picture of Scripture in a systematic study, but it's also just as important to see the particulars of what Scripture teaches. And so maybe you, you change it from year to year. 
like I told you, I, I studied the Bible chronologically last year, and so this year I'm doing more in-depth study. Or maybe you combine those things. I'm studying the book of Hebrews personally in depth right now, but I also have undertaken every day reading at least one of the of the one chapter of Proverbs at the same time, specifically looking for things that God would would make stand out in my own life and apply to me. Even in a systematic study, that is something you got to keep first and foremost. In a systematic study of the Scripture, so say you're reading through the Bible in a year you're consuming around three to four chapters a day at least. You're consuming larger amounts of scripture. It becomes really easy to just kind of, it's a checklist, right? I just got to make it through. I just got to read these three chapters. Don't do that. Read for understanding, for clarity, for God, will you please speak to me through your word. The systematic, doesn't have to feel like a checklist. In the end, let's remember this. It's not how you study, but it's who and what you're studying, God and his word. That's what it's all about. And so here in the word of God, we find the power to change our lives time and again. So why wouldn't we very practically want to think about this? Why wouldn't we want to just get some ideas of how we can better do this or something that may resonate with us? And then the last thing I want to show you, this is, so this, is, this has been really practical up to this point. It's about to get even more so maybe because these are the tools that I would recommend to you personally for your own Bible study. The right tool makes all the difference. When I want to go accomplish something, I look for the right tool to do the job. A few weeks ago, I needed to change spark plugs in our van. So I went out and I went looking for my 3-8 cent drive ratchet my extensions, and a spark plug socket, right? Because that's what I need. Some of you are like, yeah, that sounds good. If I'm going to tighten the cabinet handle for my wife, I'm not looking for a, a spark plug ra- uh, um, socket. You know what I'm looking for? A Phillips head screwdriver, right? The right tools make all the difference. So, too, when it comes to learning how to study the Scriptures effectively, God has given to us not only his word, but he's also given us many tools to study his word. Truly, we live in an era unlike any other. Think back on the eras of history. For a long time, where was the only place you could even go to find a copy of the scriptures? You had to go to the church, right? And then this little thing called the printing press began to come out, and they began to mass produce these things as, as technology got better and better. And now, probably many of us in this room own close to double digits in Bibles, right? And, and we all, most of us in this room, have access to our Bibles via digital means as well. And not only that, then we also have a lot of good men and women over the years who have written many good resources about the Bible and, and things that help us to study it in a better way. And so it is good for us to wade in and to understand what's out there so we can be better equipped for the job, knowing the Word of God and making a part of our lives on a regular basis. And, and I'll just be straight up with you. I'm going to make some very 
pointed recommendations tonight. Understand, the things that I show you tonight are not the only things that are out there. It's just things that I have found helpful in my own life, and maybe they can be a help to you. Things like guided studies. Really, what's the greatest value of a guided study is it can help teach you the Bible study process. Sometimes, a lot of times, the best way to, be, to learn something is to do something. You ever found that to be true? Like the, You learn best by, by working through it and doing it. And so a guided study, a lot of times, I think, can act as a, almost like a training wheels to teach you how to study the Bible on your own. Some of them are more instructive than others, and often these have a process built in right there for you to record what you learn. So the first one I have, I, these are called God Nighttime books. They come from the Wilds Christian Camp. I have used these in our, in, our, in our youth ministry countless times, you know, recommended these to kids. And they're, they're not just for teens, they're for, you know, they can be for adults. So they have kid versions, okay? They have um, teen and, uh, you know, what would be a teen and adult versions. They have ones that are kind of combinations of, of a lot of different things. And, and what you find in these is you find breaking apart the scriptures, and here, now, now write out what you learn, write out those things. So it's, that's why I say it's almost like training wheel process, right? Because it's, it's teaching you how to study the scripture. It's giving you what you need to know right there, the tools for it. And then it's showing you how to write these things down so you remember them later. Um, another one is um, the Wearsby um, Bible study series. Um, and then also um, this idea of journables. Now, these are really, these are another interesting thing. These are passages of Scripture that you read, and then you actually write out some of the passages of Scripture, and then you write notes on it as well. It's a little less guided in that, um, but it, um, it, it does help you kind of work through those things on your, on your own. Um, so those are all things that, um, that, that, that can be helpful in that. Now, you can go beyond this. There are what I would call guided studies that aren't books that you purchase. You can go through the book of Psalms, grab a notebook, just any notebook. You know, I have one, I have one I've done this my, myself. And go through the book of Psalms and look and answer these two questions, or pick one or the other. My God is, or God is my. It's very simple to take one, two Psalms a day, and just ask that question of every verse. My God is, and when you come across an answer to that question, you write out the chapter, the verse, and what is God. Or God is my, you write the chapter and the verse and the answer to that question. Another one is um, the book of Proverbs. In the book of Proverbs, you find four people, the wise, the fool, the simple, the scorner. All of those guys are in the book of Proverbs. So go through the book of Proverbs, and every time you see the wise man mentioned, you make a note, you either write it down, or you can see it, I have it in my Bible up here, I underline it in a certain color. And when I come across the fool, you know, I underline it in another color, and I make notes and, 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 and write out some of those things that you observe there. In general, I find that guided studies are great ways to, if you just don't know where to go, this is a great place to get started and really get your feet wet in some of this. Um, I find that some of these resources, like those ones I mentioned, the God Nighttime books, those are really great for teens and younger kids, uh, and they can do them on their own, or you a, as a parent can do it with them. 
It's a great discipleship opportunity because part of discipleship is teaching people, teaching people how to study the Word of God for themselves. So these are guided studies. Second, uh, I would always encourage you, in, when you look at study resources, to consider using multiple Bible translations. Um, the Bible you hold in your hand today, okay? How many of you have your Bible with you tonight? Okay, probably most, right? Most everybody in this room, your Bible is written in English. You realize the Bible wasn't written in English, right? It was written in Hebrew, Greek, and a little bit of Aramaic. And so, sometimes it's hard to express uh, something from one language into another. Maybe you've, you've, you've talked to someone who's an ESL, you know, that English is their second language, and sometimes they really struggle to grasp a word for what they're thinking because there isn't a word. That's true sometimes in this as well. Uh, oftentimes, language changes. You realize language evolves over the years, how we use it. And so, um, that, that's, that, so it can be easier understood by things and people today in certain, if we're using different translations. So here's a general rule. Literal translation is king. And what do, I mean by, what do we mean by that? From the original language, Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, into the target language. Now, for our context, the target language is English, right? Maybe, you know, if you're in another country, it might be French or Spanish or German, whatever it may be. So what, you're going from one to the other. Now, there's, there's, there's things called paraphrases or dynamic equivalents. Those can be very helpful, but I just personally would never use them as my primary translation of the Scripture because you're going from the original language into the target language, but you're filtering it through somebody's interpretation of that, and what you're getting is, is kind of, you're getting one more step removed from the original language. Again, doesn't mean they're always wrong, and they don't mean they can't be helpful. I just would always encourage you to stay as literal as you can. The big four of this is King James, New King James, which we use here, English Standard Version, and New American Standard Bible. All of those they have their own unique strengths and merits. If you want to discuss, you know, the specifics on that, I'm happy to do that and give you resources about that as well. Then, so te- let's take another step. Here's something else you can use, a study Bible. Study Bibles are great because within study Bibles, you find helpful and concise information. One of the things that's really valuable in a study Bible is an introduction to the book of the Bible you're studying. Usually these are about two or three pages long, and they tell you when they were written, who wrote them, the historical context, those sorts of things. Um, they're, and they're, like I said, they're, it's, it's compact. It's all in one Bible, so it's not like it's page upon page upon page. They oftentimes have notes underneath the text that give you understanding and application. Uh, I brought two tonight to show you. Um, one is the Life Application Study Bible, this, by its name, you may have picked up on it, it lends itself to application of the scriptures. What does that mean for my life? Not, not just all of the nitty-gritty what is going on here, but how do I take this and use it in my life? Um, the other one that I really like, and it's, it has both application but also a lot of you know, 
um, helpful just textual information is the ESV Study Bible. This is a standard edition. There's also a student edition. Um, it's a little bit smaller. It's a little bit more manageable. Um, great for teens that the ESV student, uh, Study Bible is a student edition. Um, and these are great um, beginning points. If you just want to kind of, again, kind of get into something that's not just a guided study but, but helps you right there in the text, this is a great place to start. Now, then sometimes you're going to read it and you're like, that was great, but I want more. Okay, we're getting there, okay? We're working our way up to more. Uh, another helpful tool is a Bible dictionary. In a Bible dictionary, you have all these articles on things in the Scripture. So you can take a Bible dictionary, and you can look up a specific person. Um, you know, you, you can look up Moses, and it'll have a whole article on Moses, what he did in his life, the past, some passages of Scripture about him, who, you know, who his relatives were. I mean, you just find all the information you want about this guy. Um, maybe it's a specific item. You know, I want to know, what does the Bible say about the Ark of the Covenant? You know, I want to find out what, well, you can go to a Bible dictionary. And they're great for finding these, these contextual information. I, again, I have two that I've used. Um, one is just called the New Bible Dictionary. It's this one. Um, J.I. Packer is one of the editors. And then there's another one called the New Ungers Bible Dictionary. I mean, you can see these are, these are great coffee table books, right? Uh, hopefully they do more than that. Um, but that's, that's a great place to find that kind of information. Then you have the idea of, of a concordance. A concordance is where you can look up a word and see where it appears in the Bible. It helps you learn how that word is used. Um, the most famous concordance is Strong's. Everybody kind of knows that, Strong's concordance. I mean, this James Strong went through and just really, he did a lot of great things with that. Um, some of your Bibles will have a small concordance in the back. Um, I, you know, you can always use these in hand in hand with cross references that are in your Bible, and um, concordances are very easy, especially Strong's. You can find that online. It's very easy to find a Strong's concordance if you don't want it in paper form because it's a big, heavy book. Um, but some, you know, some of us like big, heavy books and opening them up and, and looking through them. You can also, I don't think this is on your handout. I think I accidentally left this off. You can find a topical Bible. A topical Bible is really, really interesting. You can look up a specific topic, so like a Bible dictionary, and then you can find specific verses that are recorded about that topic. Now, it doesn't necessarily include every single verse about that topic. It'll a lot of times just be the very, the, the, the big ones, you know, the important ones. And it'll give you an idea of what that verse is about. Um, the one that, that I've used for that is, is called Nave's Topical Bible. And again, you can just, you just open it up, you know, you look at it, and, and you, you can see, you can look up guys' names, and it'll tell you where, where they're from, who they are, where to find it. So that's a topical Bible. And now, my personal favorite out of all of these tools are commentaries. And some of you hear me talk about commentaries. Sometimes you'll hear me say, one commentator said this or that, because this is where I spend a lot of time with um, every week. If you want more depth on something, I would always encourage you to pick up a commentary. Oftentimes, a commentary is an entire book that's dedicated usually to an entire book of the Bible. And there's all levels of commentaries. So there's a great set 
that I think if you just want to get in on the ground floor and you want, to, you want to study God's word, then I think every Christian should own this. It's called the Bible Knowledge Commentary. It is two volumes. It comes from, uh, I think it's Dallas Theological Seminary. And it's the Old Testament and the New Testament. And just about, I mean, it's not going to be every verse of the Bible, okay? Oh, these would be a lot bigger. But every passage going to hit the big ideas and help you unpack some of those things. I use these all the time. It's a great point that I like to go to every week because it's, it's very easy to understand. It's, it just kind of lays it out there. So if you're just looking to get it, if you're like, I, I want to get into the commentary game, this is where I would get into the commentary game. Um, you can go from there. You can get a little more devotional with your commentaries. There's a pastor by the name of Warren Wearsby. How many of you ever heard of Warren Wearsby before? Okay, he wrote, he wrote a commentary on every book of the Bible. That's pretty impressive. And he calls it the B series. Everyone is B something. Um, and, and so there's more than 66 of them because some of them he wrote multiple commentaries for. But these are really great. These are, they're, they're easy to read. They're by a pastor. Um, they're very practical, very devotional. You're not going to get lost in if you're like really worried about your head swimming with all of this, you know, big information. You're not going to find that there in a good way. Um, what I use all the time in the New Testament, I use John MacArthur's New Testament commentaries. This is where you start to get a little bit more into the thick stuff. So this right here, this commentary is just on John chapter 1 through 11. Okay, so it give you an idea, right? John has 21 chapters, okay? This is half of them. This is Philippians. You know, we just did Philippians here. So this is well-worn because I have looked at it many times. But this is just book, this entire book is on the Philippians. And John MacArthur's another pastor. He's a pastor in California. Um, and he's been a pastor for 50-something years. And he's, he's written a commentary on every book of the New Testament. And many of them, most of them, come from messages that he's preached in his church. They're very in-depth um, a lot of times, they're very, um, they cover a lot of information. They can help you understand very difficult passages. They can help guide your application. Now, understand something in a commentary. No one person is going to be right about everything. Except God, right? Because he's God. So I would just always caution you to read with discernment. And don't buy into a system. I was talking to somebody I know very well, and he was mentioning one of these authors, and he said, you know, everything he says is right. And I looked at him, and I said, that's not even possible, because he's human. Don't buy a system. Always compare it to what? To Scripture. Now, if you're like, these are great, but I want to know where I can learn more, here's a website, bestcommentaries.com. I love this website. Every time I'm doing a new study, I go to this website. They have, this may sound really nerdy preacher talk. They like rank the commentaries. You know how you look at college football and it's the top 25, okay? This is like the top commentaries on it. And they have an algorithm and all this kind of stuff, right? But what I also find helpful is they have tags for these commentaries. So, Say you were like, I want a commentary, but I don't want a technical commentary. You know, you want to weed out all of that. You can weed all those out, okay? 
I want something that's more devotional. I want something that's more application heavy. You can find these tags and they'll, and they'll help you find those commentaries. So that's commentaries. Then next, we're just, just a couple more things here. Supplemental and or family reading. You know, when you, read, when you spend time reading your devotions, don't be afraid. I, I would say don't be afraid to mix in some other things into your devotional time. However, I'm going to caution you. Keep the Bible preeminent in the study of the scriptures, okay? Things I'm going to show you here are not replacements for the scriptures. There's a reason they're called supplemental. No book of man should ever take the place of God's word. So here are some things that, that are really, again, I think they would, they're helpful in your Christian walk. Here's a book called The Valley of Vision. Um, this is a collection of Puritan prayers, um, and it's really challenging um, to, to just kind of read through these, um, and, and it's a great, again, just a nice little supplemental thing to read with your devotions every day, you know, to pick one of these and read through it, and it challenge your heart on how you pray to God. Um, there's a book that was written by Charles Spurgeon called Morning and Evening, um, these are little devotionals. Charles Spurgeon was a preacher in England. Um, he's known as the Prince of Preachers. And he wrote um, these little, I mean, they're one, again, one page about a certain passage of Scripture, and it gives you a thought for that. Again, um, it's great. It's wonderful. I wouldn't let this be the only thing I did in my devotions. Now, these are, so this might be a great family devotional tool as well. Um, here's one we discovered this year. Um, it's a book called Long Story Short. If you have, um, if you have a family, this is, this is really, really targeted at families, especially families who might have not just teens but younger kids. Um, this book that we're doing goes through the entire Old Testament. starts in Genesis and, and works all the way through, and then there's a New Testament version called New Story Old. Um, we have just really enjoyed this as a family. We have found that there's a lot of family devotion books out there, and there's a lot of options, but sometimes they go over your, over your kids' heads, right? And it just it happens. Um, this is targeted at families with kids. Um, it's just been a real a real encouragement to us. So for your kids, you, maybe you got grandkids and you want to you know help them help their families with this. Um, family devotions are an important thing, you know. Um, but how many of you are willing to admit that family devotions are something you've struggled with in your own life? Okay, I, look, I'll tell you where my hand, my hand is up right here, okay? I'm a pastor. Is that bad? Um, because, I, you know, what do we do? Do we preach and have an invitation? Do we, you know, what, what do you do for family devotions? This, this is one of those great tools to help with that. Uh, and then I would say something you can put in your devotions is a good hymnal. Meditating on the things that God has taught other people and they've expressed in very poetic and musical form. These can aid in guiding your thoughts. All of these things can aid in guiding your thoughts or as a tool for your family. But again, they do not take the place of the Word of God. And then ones I can't show you but I can give you are there's a lot of online resources. I gave you this website last time, Bible.com. It's very easy to use. You can get on it on your phone, on your computer. Um, you can get on your tablet. They, and it will sync across those devices, like where you left off last time when you log in on the other one, it'll be there. Um, this is a really cool computer or app, a computer program or an app. It's called eSword. There are, you can download it. It's free on your computer. I think it's like three or four bucks on your phone. And there's a lot of free books on there that, that, to study, like um, Strong's Concordance, um, some commentators, those sorts of things.
And then you can go online and you can find some all-in-one study sites. These are on the handout, BibleGateway.com, BibleHub.com, BlueLetterBible.com. All of these have different tools, and I use two or three of these at any given time when I'm studying my own stuff. Um, you'll, you can come upstairs and you can see, if I'm, if I'm writing a message, I'll have certain ones open because I use them for different things. So let's tie it all together, though, at the end. What are some things to remember? One, more important than what, the, what someone says about the Bible is what the Bible actually says. I told you tonight, I love to read commentators. I love these, these men that God has used, but no man has all the answers. So if something doesn't, sound, doesn't seem right, it's great to ask around or read around, you know. Um, <laughs> one, of the most, one, of the, one of the scariest things I've ever read in a commentary, and I read it sometimes, is, you know, nobody's ever thought of it this way before. Run. Run far away, okay? <laughs> There's a reason, usually. Um, second, many resources are free, but don't be afraid to make a, make an investment in your time with God. There's a lot of great free things out there, but I think that putting money towards the study of God's word is always worth it. It's always worth putting a few bucks in to get something that'll truly help. I mean, we do that for, for a lot of things in our lives. You know, if we really want to make a difference, we put some money in it. So, you know, you say, well, I don't know if I want to put money into it. Okay, put it on your Christmas list, your birthday list. You know how you never know what you want. When people say, what do you want for your birthday, and you don't ever know? Pick something like this and say, this is what I want. You know? It's a great way to get something like that. And then I would just say that if you want to see or borrow or talk any more about these things, that's, that's why I'm here. I want to help you study the Word of God. So if you want to look at these, if you want to talk about some of these, if you want to come to my office and look at books and you know, hear recommendations. I can give you recommendations of things that God has used in my own life. Maybe they can be a, a help to you. And then share those things with other people. You know, encourage them in those ways. But because God's word is vital to my Christian walk, it's worth thinking practically about how to make it a part of my everyday life. Spending time with our God takes just that. It takes time that we set aside, but it is a most rewarding and a very fulfilling undertaking. And for everything that is vying for our attention in our lives, The word of God is that which can change our lives every day. There are a lot of things. When you open your eyes tomorrow morning, it's Monday morning, there's a lot of things on that phone that are vying for your attention. There's a lot of things in your home or in the world that are vying for your attention. And it doesn't mean all those things are bad, right? I know. You got to play Wordle every day. It's important, okay? You got to check the score from the game, right? But you know what? None of those are going to change your life like the Word of God. That's worth putting time into. The psalmist said this in Psalm 119, verses 15 and 16, which, by the way, if you ever want to do a study on what the Word of God is like, just study Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verses 15 and 16. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. That should be the cry of the heart of every follower of God. Very simply, do you want to be godlier? Spend time with him. Do you want to know the ways of God? Study his word. Delight yourself in the word of God and you will never be disappointed. 
Commit to knowing what God says, and you'll never lack for answers to life's questions, for God has all those answers. So how, very simply, how have you studied God's word, and what can you take away from this to help you be more consumed with that today? Because we can all be more consumed with the things of God. We can all grow and change. We can all undertake new processes and be closer to him. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you want us to come to know you more. Thank you for giving us the answers to this life in your word. We pray, Lord, that you would burden our hearts to be, just have a desire to study your word and that you would help us very practically to think through these things. And would you meet us there? Would you teach us? Would you make us more like yourself? Lord, as we individually do this, we know that corporately as a church, as a body, that you would grow us in this and help us make an impact. Lord, if we would just grasp that, I think we'd be amazed at what you could do in us and through us in our world that we live in. We ask these things in your name. Amen.